We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everybody and welcome back to another edition of the Dynasty Tradecast, brought to you by Rotoviz Radio on the Blue Wire Network, and of course, thank you to our lovely sponsor, UnderdogFantasy.com. Underdog, we love you. Thank you. Today is going to be a little bit different. Today is kind of unheard of in the Tradecast world. You've heard Nathan here before by himself. And I gotta say, valiant efforts. This may be the most uh, prepared this podcast has ever been, but, well, I shouldn't say most, aside from like Dynasty Jeopardy and some of the bigger games, it is just me today. And if you're unaware of who me is, my name is Dan Sanio, you can find me on Twitter at FFDynastyDan. And normally, I'm one of the co-hosts, the ship that is normally steered by Mr. Nathan Powell, who unfortunately isn't going to be here tonight, or today, or this morning, or whenever you're listening, as he had prior engagements, a little bit of work got in the way, and normally that's my excuse. Normally, I say, hey, Nathan, I, I got to get the heck out of here. So today, it's just me. I apologize for uh, you having to struggle through the next 25 to 45 minutes. We'll see how long this actually goes. But I, I put the work in, folks. So today we're gonna we're gonna get some things that that we never really have looked at before, at least on this podcast. I know there's other content creators and other people in the Twitterverse or, or wherever you find your content that have maybe charted these things before and chatted about these things before. And I, I've definitely engaged in some conversations on Twitter about these certain things, but we've never really talked about it here. So. A lot of times during rookie draft season and, and NFL draft season, we get tons and tons of questions about what do we do with our first round picks? Who is the next big big hit? Who is going to be the can't-miss prospect? 
Well, normally we're looking at our scouts for that. You know, a lot of people follow the the ESPN folks. In more recent years, you know, we have things, uh, you know, the people doing all sorts of draft content, draft networks, uh, PFF, the whole nine. Obviously, Rotoviz, we have plenty of draft content as well. But there's there's so much to take in, and from the fantasy perspective, there's there's a lot of things that that kind of do matter and don't matter. And I, I like to think that I'm able to see someone on film and, and figure out if they're actually going to be able to succeed at the NFL level. And I don't know if you know this, but I'm still sitting in my office doing a podcast and not scouting for NFL teams. So uh, <laughs> I most certainly am, am not on that uh, that tier as those folks who get paid to do so, but uh, today we are gonna we're gonna go over kind of some historical data. I, I went back for the last ten years, and now we're looking at the high end here. I looked at the last ten years of first round skill position players, not including tight ends, just because that's a little more sporadic, and I don't think that there's going to be one this year. Uh, and everyone's just gonna compare it to Kyle Pitts or you know whoever, anyways. So, and, and quarterback in the in the fantasy world I mean if you have a quarterback going early in the first round it's kind of inevitable that he's going to be in a top 15 pick in your uh, dynasty rookie drafts that's that's just the nature of the beast normally you know unless you're maybe Christian Ponder back in the day uh, or you know even some folks kind of let Blaine, Blaine Gabbert slide and guys like that it's it's different but for the most part, if they're going in the top 10, 12, 15, even heck 20 picks, those quarterbacks have significant value in your dynasty leagues just because of the potential ceiling. You know, even though it it could sometimes for some of these guys, you know, say Aaron Rodgers could be a few years down the road because they're stuck behind a, you know, a big name or an elite player. Even someone like Patrick Mahomes who had to sit behind Alex Smith. You know, so so quarterbacks, uh, for the most part, those are going to be worth the investment for that top, you know, however many pick, whatever, however deep your draft is and however deep your leagues are, those quarterbacks, assuming super flex, are always going to be worth a, a decent amount of attention at the top. But today, we're going to be talking about essentially the last 10 years of rookie first rounders that uh, play running back and wide receiver, and A, what they've done as far as you know fantasy production goes but b also i mean what are we what do these numbers actually mean what does this tell us for things to come for the most part these types of numbers are fairly sticky especially once you get guys that are doing things consistently not only if you do it once you're going to be able to do it again now running back is a little bit different wide receiver is kind of a different monster but let's just kind of dive in to this. We're going to start with running back. So over the last 10 years, you know, so 2021 to the 2012 draft, those 10 draft years, we had 15 running backs taken in the first round. And now I included at the bottom of my my data set quarterbacks taken first in their class, but no... so. For instance, in 2013 and 2014, we didn't have first-round running backs. 2013 was Giovanni Bernard was the first running back off the, off the board, and then 2014 was Bishop Sankey. So those two are a little bit different than everybody else on this board. But looking back, we've got 15 names 
as far as first round running backs. And that's not a lot. You think about in you know, 10 years of drafting and, and you only have 15 in the first round. That's, um, that's a pretty small set of data. So I, I look back at this, you know, we've got some kind of some players up in the air that we, I don't know that we can comfortably make a decision on quite yet. Like last year, Travis Etienne uh, obviously was a first round running back to the Jacksonville Jags and he didn't play. So the jury's out on that one. But as far as the rest of the the list, everybody played their rookie season and we had some success. Uh, and I know we hear a lot of times that, you know, rookie first rounders uh, at the running back position are just a smash. And I don't know if smash is the right word. I think decent or maybe above average is probably the better route. So looking back, for between 2012 and 2021, first round running backs, eight out of the 15 had a uh, had an RB1 finish as a rookie. Now, 50% hit rate on an RB1 season is very very impressive. That's that's big money. That's why these running backs are are historically going so early in most rookie drafts because RB1 seasons are highly sought after, obviously, but they're also not they're not super easy to come by. I mean, again, only 12, uh, you know, 12 running backs out of the league are going to fall in that place, and those are usually pretty large numbers. Now, you can supplement with RB2s and RB3s and some, you know, hit-and-miss best ball-type assets, but for the most part, these rookies, if they don't do it early – they don't do it right away as a first rounder. They're they're probably not going to do it. It's probably it for them. Now, I would argue based on the data that if they don't do it by year two, you got to get out from underneath that asset. They're they're not going to do it. The, I mean, Clyde Edwards Alaire had an RB two season, and. Josh Jacobs had an RB2 season. Out of all of these running backs, you know, obviously, like I said, we had eight out of the 15 that had an RB1 season. Only two as a rookie had an RB2 season. Now, Josh Jacobs followed that up with back-to-back RB1 seasons. CEH followed his up with an RB44 season. So... Again, looking at CEH specifically, that's an asset to get away from. Uh, Travis Etienne, I think it's still kind of a to-be-determined type player. But looking down the list, you know, Melvin Gordon was bad as a rookie, but then was three straight RB1 seasons. Then you look down the line a little bit further at David Wilson, who had a lot of promise, a lot of hope. He was like the fourth string running back on the New York Giants in 2012 with like Ahmad Bradshaw and, and, and those guys. He finished RB57, and then that was it. That was his career. Obviously, you know, the, the injury is what kind of sent him. But another running back in 2012, Trent Richardson, had an RB7 season. So he checks that box, but then never finished inside the top 24 uh, well, he only played two more seasons, so 
I feel like the NFL has definitely gotten better at drafting these running backs. So even if we really focus on the last five, six, seven years where you haven't seen quite as many, I mean, we used to see like three or four, or even five running backs taken in the first round. And, uh, and you know, the 2018, we had three of them. 2015, we had two. 2017, we had two. And then last year, obviously, we had two. So the first round running back is certainly a thing, it seems, uh, of the past, whereas teams now are, are more likely to take shots at wide receiver. So my reading this set uh, you know, of information, I would say that if your rookie running back isn't an RB1, it's not necessarily time to panic and sell, but you need to be ready if by, I would say, week four to six of his sophomore season, he's not on pace to be an RB1 or an RB2, it's time to cut loose. The people that held on to Sony Michelle, I mean, you got stung a little bit. He's never finished higher than RB31. And then you, you know, it's a it's a weird spot. And again, this is specifically first round running backs. I know we're we're not talking about all of the great names that come in the second round or later in drafts. You know, Jonathan Taylor's come to mind instantly. But the the first round is, I mean, it's the great ceiling, or uh, well, it should be great floor. But not all of these guys are cut from the same cloth. Not all of them are are built for the NFL. Not all of these offenses are built to implement a, a rookie first go. However, the majority of them will be used heavily. Najee Harris, Saquon Barkley, Leonard Fournette, Christian McCaffrey, Ezekiel Elliott, Todd Gurley, Trent Richardson, and Doug Martin in the last 10 years all put up an RB1 season while being drafted in the first round. And... That's just kind of it. If they don't produce early, you have to cut ties. The expectation for this draft now with Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker, I believe, is it's kind of your top two options. I know Spiller, for some, is kind of sneaking into that conversation. But I think most of these guys are going to be second round or later, you know, day two or day three picks, aside from Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker. I think those two are really the only ones that have the opportunity to go in the first round. It will be late in the first round. But... They do have the chance. Now, if that's the case, that's gold because it's essentially RB1 season or bust to start their career. And unless they're Melvin Gordon, you're really not seeing him come back. Uh, you know, you might see, if you see a, an RB2 season, there, there's hope for the future. But if they're not finishing in that top 24, it's... It, the odds are not with them. Let's say that. Now, injuries play a role in all of this as well. And destination can play a role in it. But for the most part, either these players are made for the NFL or they are not. Clyde Edwards-Alaire is on my sell list. Rashad Penny and Sony Michelle from the 18 class. Uh, both, uh, well, one of them I loved, one of them I hated. Unfortunately, both suck. So we have that going for us. Trent Richardson is... Uh, the only one on this list to have an insane rookie season and then completely fall off. And uh, everybody seemed to have been right on him that how much longer could he do this for? How much is left in the tank? 
And why is he running with his eyes closed? So this, again, this podcast isn't about Trenton Richardson. This class isn't about bad running backs. Uh, it's, it's more or less, what are we supposed to do with these picks? So I think if Brees Hall and or Kenneth Walker go in the first round and, and if Spiller somehow sneaks in there, they all should be priorities in this draft. Now, your super flex, your two QB leagues, quarterback may take precedent. But running back is, I mean, you're going to be either getting an RB1 season or a wasted pick. Rookie drafts are the time to swing for the fences. I, I know I always talk about being kind of risk adverse and taking the higher floor and maybe sustaining a little bit with one of those wide receivers who, generally speaking, have more long-term value, but running backs tend to have a higher peak, especially when you're talking about the ones that are producing. So if these guys are in uh, in taken in the first round, you've got to take them early. They, they should be within the first five picks, both of them, or however many of them end up being in the first round. And they'll probably be bookended with either the wide receivers or one of the quarterbacks that goes potentially early. The The spot there is if a team trades up for a certain player, uh, a certain quarterback, you know that they're going to be playing early. And uh, QB points obviously are, are pretty monstrous as well. But in the big scheme of things, running back you know, big running back RB1 seasons are, are kind of what you build your your fantasy rosters on. And, and you know, I, I like to build through a wide receiver. I know Nathan likes to build through a wide receiver. But if your goal is points now, it's definitely running back. That would be the way to go. Quarterback can take time. They can produce early. But for the most part, that's kind of a slow roll. And wide receiver, which we will talk about uh, here in just a minute, is kind of hit and miss it's it's either monstrous or it's it leaves a sour taste in your mouth but again these the rookie hit rates are at running back essentially 50 percent you know if you if you're chasing rb2 seasons you're probably chasing the wrong players and the wrong assets but yeah a 50 percent hit rate at running back and that we're talking about rb1 seasons not just top 24 because that you know obviously adds a, a few to the list when you really only have three uh, or I'm sorry, four out of 15 that aren't finishing in the top 24. So before we move on to our wide receivers and before I forget, I want to make sure I tell you about our good friends uh, and you'll probably be picking some of these players on their website here shortly. Underdogfantasy.com. Underdog. We've been talking about them for a few weeks you know, we're, we're very excited to have them as a partner. They're still doing, they're still matching your first deposit up to a hundred dollars. So if you put in a hundred, they're putting another hundred on top. That's phenomenal. That's free money. They have second, I mean, second to none, as far as uh, the season long drafts go, it's so easy. The, you know, the, there's just nothing more you can say on that end about how good they actually are. Unless you've uh, if you haven't tried it, you can't talk about it. If you've tried it, you know that I'm not lying to you. Underdog is the best of the best. They make things so stress-free and, and enjoyable. And so all you need when you go to underdogfantasy.com, on your first deposit, type in the promo code ROTOVIZ. That's R-O-T-O-V-I-Z, ROTOVIZ, and you get a free 
potentially $100 with your first deposit, up to 100. So if you deposit 50, you get 50. If you deposit 100, you get 100. That's, that's again, free money. And you can do all sorts of other things on, on Underdog. It's not just season-long drafts. It's not just best ball. They have some awesome pick'em games as well. And you pick your favorite over and unders, and you can win like 20x your money on any given night. It's super simple, super easy. Again, I, I don't know how many times I have to tell you how easy this is, but the pick'ems are, are fun. You're, you're picking like up to five players and over-unders. It's that easy. Match your deposit with uh, code ROTOVIZ, R-O-T-O-V-I-Z, and make sure you are playing on Underdog because it is that much better than the other sites. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, let's get to the second half here. Um, running a, a touch long. It's weird just talking to myself, not asking questions, and probably rambling. I'm sure you're all upset already and just want this to be over. You may have already clicked off, but wide receivers. Now, wide receivers in Dynasty are kind of always a hot topic. We seem to go through peaks and valleys of whether the wide receivers are the more valuable or the running backs are the more valuable or, you know, wide receivers really that trustworthy. Well, I got to tell you, looking at this this chunk of information, it, uh, it, it was pretty surprising to see a lot of my favorite names and the numbers that they actually put up, it's um, it's very, very interesting. So in the last 10 years, I'm doing using the same set of years. So 2021, all the way back to 2012, we had 40 total wide receivers taken in the first round. Now, you're going to hear me saying out of 39 quite a bit because I'm not counting Cordero Patterson. I know he started his career off as a wide receiver, Kind of, but he's a return guy, and now he's playing running back. So I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say six times being an all-pro returner, uh, four-time pro bowler at uh, as returner, and getting third in Offensive Rookie of the Year voting almost exclusively on his return ability makes him not a wide receiver. Uh, he is a return man slash running back. He did have a running back nine season last year, by the way, for those of you who are interested. And uh, he'll be playing running back again this year. So I'm removing Cordero Patterson from the data. He does not exist. 
Uh, we are going to be out of 39. And wide receiver, first round wide receivers are um, definitely, they're definitely doing their thing. 25 out of 39 in in this the last 10 years here have had a top 36 season. Now, I'm selecting top 36 as my cutoff because wide receiver ones, twos, and threes to me are what you're putting in your lineup every single week. You're never really chasing wide receiver sixes or fives or fours. That's, you know, that's your bench setup. Those are the guys that, hey, maybe on a bye week, you're filling in with, you know, Braxton Berrios or something. Uh, We are talking about our first round wide receivers drafted in the last 10 years and whether or not they've had a top 36 season. So like I said, 25 out of 39 have finished in, uh, you know, as a wide receiver three or better, which means only 14 of them have never had one. Now that's kind of bad, but at the same time having, you know, 66 ish percent of your picks be what I would consider kind of a hit. And I say kind of because only, only a few, I, I, eight of them have only had one top 36 season, three of which were rookies this year. So really five out of 39 only did it once. Those are the ones we're kind of excluding. So let's say 50%. 20 out of 39 have have a had a top 36 season but b done it multiple times that's what we're chasing obviously we want more than two but again it's not the easiest to come by and you also have to remember that there are other players so it's not uh, it's not just free that drafted in the first round equals automatic wide receiver one status that's Unfortunately, not how it works. So um, we, we've we got a lot of really popular names on this list. Obviously, we chase draft stock. And there's another part of this that I haven't talked about quite yet that Nathan and I, I wouldn't want to say argue, but chat about a lot. And whether or not talent, quote unquote, talent wins out. But does draft capital equal talent? I think it really depends, and I think that's really only something that we can refer to in hindsight. I don't think we can make those claims now. You can call someone as talented as you want based on on film that you've watched, but until we see them do it at, at least once, but you know, consistently over time, I don't know that we can necessarily call someone talented and they also aren't producing that those those two things don't make sense in my mind so looking down uh this list out of 39 again there's only one wide receiver one overall so the top top wide receiver only one of those in this set there were three rb ones and only 15 rbs taken in the last 10 years in the first round but there were three rb one seasons again a lot more wide receivers getting a lot more targets versus running backs getting carries and targets. Not as many running backs are getting the amount of volume that the top 12 to 15 of them are, whereas wide receiver is insanely deep, which is why my statement earlier about the running backs and and making them a priority to take early is because wide receiver is so deep. And there are so much 
there's so many more players in the player pool at that position to fill those spots. Now, when we're talking about elite talent, and there's that word, there's that word talent, which is kind of hard to, you know, really define a lot of times, again, in hindsight, obviously we would love to have a wide receiver one every single season, but nobody's done that. Doing it like half of the time is about as good as it gets, unless your name is DeAndre Hopkins, who has done it five times out of eight years. And that's about as good as it gets for the last 10 years. You know, Mike Evans is, is doing his thing. He's never been a wide receiver three, and he's never not been in the top 36. You do the math on that one. Mike Evans on this list, right there with DeAndre Hopkins, easily the most consistent, but that's what we're chasing. You know, he's never had uh, a finish. Uh, he never finishes wide receiver one. Hopkins has, but Evans also has never finished lower than wide receiver 22 in eight seasons. So that is what we are chasing in the end. And, you know, with the wide receivers in this class, you're probably going to have four, maybe five going in the first round. You, you'll have uh, the Ohio State boys, Garrett Wilson, uh, and Chris Olav, you'll have uh, Jamison Williams, you'll have Drake London, Traylon Burks, and maybe somebody else sneaks in. I, I, I'm not, uh, I'm not completely caught up on who's going where, but if it's a sign of things to come, these guys should be immediately following the first quarterback taken and any first round running backs. Unless those first-round running backs go to an absolutely atrocious situation where they're playing behind uh, a, a high-end running back already who is maybe at the tail end of their stint with any team or at the tail end of their career. You know, that makes me think back to, like, Atlanta drafting TJ Duckett in the first round when they still had a very good Warwick Dunn. <laughs> you know that one that one was always uh, an interesting one to me and it turns out that tj duckett wasn't good so it didn't really matter but there is that so again go let's go back to the the data let's let's kind of look across this true wide receiver ones especially in the first round are pretty rare they're they're a lot rarer than you would expect them to be considering the amount of seasons that that have finished in the top 36 only four of, oh, I shouldn't say only four, four of the players that have wide receiver one seasons account for 70% of the first round wide receiver, wide receiver one seasons in fantasy. So we're looking at DeAndre Hopkins, Mike Evans, Odell Beckham, and Justin Jefferson, who is two for two. Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. And again, he's only got one season under his belt. But they are the only guys to be batting a thousand at finishing wide receiver one. So that that is impressive in its own right. And again, that's you know that's what we're chasing. We're looking for those wide receiver one seasons. We're looking for consistency. It's uh, it's it's important to find. But it's not exact. It's not a perfect science. Just because they're drafted in the first round doesn't mean that they're going to be great. Nine out of thirty nine of these players. I've never had a top 36 season and uh or I'm sorry nine have never uh scored higher than wide receiver 36. So 
again, you, you've got some some younger folks on here. You've got three rookies in that set of data. You've got C.D. Lamb, Justin Jefferson, Brandon Ayuk, D.J. Moore, and then you slide down to an Amari Cooper, who also has never finished higher than uh, wide receiver 36, but he's been in the league for seven seasons. Mike Evans, you know, DeAndre Hopkins could and should and would be on that list, barring injuries and not playing in the dumpster fire that was Houston, uh, especially early career, even though he still managed all of those insane numbers. It's uh, it's truly impressive. 20 out of the 39 have more than one top 36 season, and you're always hoping for more than one. Only eight of 39 have one top 36 season, three of which are rookies. So five out of the 39 have only done it once. And only three of those, three of those players that have done it, uh, uh, I shouldn't say one time, but three players have a top 36 season without having done one in their first two seasons. So that brings me back to the running backs, talking about the first two seasons. Wide receiver is kind of on that same in that same lane we look all the way back to 2013 with Tavon Austin being in the first round he only had one top 36 season and it was in year three we slide a little bit more recently into 2015 with Devontae Parker he didn't have one until year five and he finished as wide receiver 11 it's the only person to do that finish as a wide receiver one beyond year year two without having one earlier in their career. And then Will Fuller, uh, again, year five, finishing as a wide receiver three. So Tavon Austin, Devontae Parker, and Will Fuller. You could try to draw a line to those three guys and (laughs) correlate them however you want. But those are three very different players. And, uh, you know, you've you've got not a lot of, production to show for it somehow Tavon Austin's still playing you could have asked me that question and I would have said absolutely not so wide receivers taken in the first round you're, you're looking at potentially a I would say 50% hit rate to get multiple top 36 seasons and you know it's kind of on par right there with with the running backs the the odds of getting at least one top 36 season just a slightly better. Only a few players only have one and only, you know, only did it once. And then the, um, there's like, again, a couple more outliers aside from Devonte Parker, Will Fuller and Tavon Austin. There's only two players that have finished as a top 36 wide receiver in their first two season and then not done it again. Justin Blackman, who, you know, that was an unfortunate situation and then Kendall Wright, who seemed to be on the on the track to being, you know, a, a a yearly wide receiver too, and it just kind of never got put back together. And you know, that was that was kind of an interesting one. So yeah, I I think the priority for wide receiver is it kind of takes a back seat to running back. I think. In most cases, I'll probably be taking them over quarterbacks unless you have an early quarterback with a clean line to play or one that is deemed generational. You know, your Andrew Lux, your Trevor Lawrence's, your Peyton Mannings. You know, we don't get a lot of those 
but uh, you know the last four, five, six years at quarterback has has been pretty special as well. So uh, quarterback and running back, if your goal is points now and you're not punting or building for the future, even then, you know the quarterback you're always going to get some value out of. Wide receiver is going to have more longevity to value, but running back is going to have the points. That's where the points are. And if you can get in at the right time, get get in to the right player, they, you know, that that's that's where your your big points are going to come, but the value is going to come with it too. Because even though those careers, uh, unless they are, you know, elite running backs or great, potentially Hall of Fame running backs, which again we won't know until however long into their career, those are the ones with sustained value as well. You know, you you, you Jonathan Taylor's who seems to be on that path, Adrian Peterson. Uh, Derek Henry, who was kind of always undervalued and has been kind of consistently valued in the same place, but he always puts out massive numbers. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott, more of a uh, contract versus ability type thing, but um, going back to the wide receivers, if the wide receivers do it, there's a pretty good chance they're going to do it again. And if they do it early, you know, if they do it in their first two years, you can kind of expect more Sammy Watkins did it back-to-back years as a rookie and a sophomore and then hasn't done it since so he's been living off of that hype think about how much value year after year Sammy Watkins carries just because of his name and because of what he did as a rookie and as a sophomore in the league so um you you really can't tread lightly on those picks I think rookie drafts really are the time to fully just dive in head first chase those first round players but once it gets beyond the first round and as far as draft capital goes you really have to look and analyze landing spots uh you know draft draft capital matters a little bit you know early second rounders are going to get more playing time than early fourth rounders potentially but if uh if you're sending them to the gulag <laughs> to fight it out with with whoever else on the team, you know, that's not a great spot to chase. You need to be looking at rosters. You need to be looking at team builds, previous success for coaching stabs, previous success for offenses. Uh, all of these things matter, especially, uh, especially so beyond the first round, the first round you can kind of take to the bank, uh, and hope that you're going to get those points just because of the draft capital spent. First rounder is an outlier. Uh, the, the hit rates there are, as good as they get you know you're not going to be chasing second round players or day three players because they go to a certain place or went to a certain school it's first rounders and then everybody else and there's a reason that they're drafted in the first round and these teams are going to be ready to use them so before we wrap up i've got a couple of of uh i shouldn't say funny well they are kind of funny john ross the only round one wide receiver to finish a season with negative points I don't know if you recall that. He played like eight snaps one whole season, and he had a fumble. It had like negative 0.8 points. <laughs> so he's the only one to do that. And uh, two uh, first-round wide receivers have finished as wide receiver 69. Figured I'd throw that one in there. Corey Davis and Will Fuller apparently are now the two greatest wide receivers on the planet. But, uh, yeah. So the uh, all in all, I mean, really, if you do have – top half uh, of drafts where you are where you have a first round pick you need to be chasing these players you shouldn't be going after 
somebody that went to a great situation in the third round at 106 because there's going to be players that should be going ahead of them. You need to be chasing quarterbacks that have a, a decent line to production or who are drafted highly. You need to be drafting first round running backs and you need to be drafting first round wide receivers. And to be honest, second round wide receivers are kind of up in that conversation as well. There's a lot of production from those second round and third round wide receivers, to be honest. So um, not everything is, is set in stone, but your best odds are to be chasing the the players with with the draft capital. And that probably seems stupid for some, but we get a lot of questions about who should I draft? How do I know who to draft? When should I draft them? If they're going the first round, almost regardless of position, they need to be drafted. I mean, I don't want to say super early, but fairly early in your rookie drafts. You know, you'll get somebody like Mac Jones or Zach Wilson who will slide down the ranks because of landing landing spot and maybe because they weren't the highest touted prospects at their position, but they're going to be producing. They, they have those jobs. So the same is going to be said for running backs and wide receivers. You spend that much draft capital on a skill position player. They're going to be playing. At, at a very, very high rate. The ones that don't are the busts. They're the misses. They're, you know, through all of the interviews and, and all of the visits and the camps, some teams just miss. It happens. You know, A.J. Jenkins happens. It, it's part of the game. Philip Dorsett happens. Brashad Perriman happens. Laquan Treadwell, even though he had a little comeback this year, finishing wide receiver 88, they happen. It's all part of the risk. It's part of the game. But for the most part, first rounders are where the money is at. Don't overthink it. Don't try to, well, I watched this guy and I know he went in the fourth round and I know he's the third string wide receiver, uh, slot receiver for the New York Jets, but I think he's better. Don't play those games. You don't know better than the NFL teams. Take the draft capital for what it is. Draft these players as high as you need to or as high as you can based on where they went in the draft and what team they went to. That That's kind of where you can start moving things around. If, if you've got a wide receiver run in the middle of the first round where all of a sudden London, Traylon Burks, and Jamison Williams all go back-to-back-to-back, Start stacking them into, well, this offense threw 700 passes last year, and this offense only threw 450 passes last year. Volume matters. Targets matter. Are they going to be the wide receiver one on their team? Are they going to be the wide receiver three on their team? Is this running back going to be in a committee? Do they have a clean line to touches? Actually think about what you're doing before you you go and spend that draft capital on these players because... Genuinely, I mean, one one great pick can start to just completely shape a roster. You know, however many years ago, a guy like Alvin Kamara, I had every share possible. Out of all my teams, I had 100% ownership. That turned out okay. You know, folks like Nathan, who had 100% ownership on Mike Evans, well, that worked out as well. Or Amari Cooper, or DeAndre Hopkins. You You've got to just... You got a full send. 
That's as best I can say it. That's the best advice I can give. Uh, I know it can be scary and you don't want to miss, but that's part of it. The odds tell us that you have a better chance of hitting than you do missing, but it is, in, in the end, just about a coin flip. So good luck to you. Uh, we'll go over more as we get closer to the draft, and then obviously post-draft we'll, we'll do some more with the, the rookie stuff as well. But looking at this data, I... I I would love to tell all of you to go and, and honestly, just, just look at the numbers. Look at what these players have been doing. Actually charting it out is is pretty important. Seeing the numbers for yourself and what these players are doing, I think, uh, can be really important. I know not everybody has that time. I spent more time on this than I should have. But it's, um, it, it was beneficial for me to see because some of these players that I thought, wow, this, this guy is super consistent and done a lot of things, not not, not really. You know, and then there's be some some surprising names like I never would have guessed Nelson Aguilar has finished as a top 36 wide receiver three times. I knew he was drafted in the first round. And I know he hasn't been great, but he's got he's got more seasons than than some of these guys. You know, he he has more uh, uh more high finishes than Corey Davis. He has more high finishes than Mike Williams. Uh, he's been better than Will Fuller. Been better than Devontae Parker. It's uh been better than Sammy Watkins. You know, it's it's crazy to look back at these numbers, but uh, you can really learn a lot from from historical data, and I think it's really important to try to project things in the future. Numbers are sticky. If you do it once, you're more likely to do it again. If you don't do it at all, especially early, chances are you're probably not doing it. And with that, uh, I'm probably not doing this show anymore because this is way too much work. No, I'm, I'm kidding, but... Uh, I appreciate all of you. I want to say thank you again to Underdog Fantasy for for sponsoring us, uh, Blue Wire for hosting us. Obviously, Rotoviz Radio is uh, is home for the Dynasty Tradecast. So we're happy to be here. I'm, I'm happy to have hopefully entertained you and rambled you through what is going on. About 45 minutes. So congratulations. You and I both spent way too much time doing this. I love you. I will see you next week. And in memory of Nathan, Tadu. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.